Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. Before we start, I need to warn you beautiful people. It features a story about sexual assault, which some listeners may find triggering or disturbing based on personal trauma or experience. So please beware. If you've experienced something similar, I want you to know that you're not alone. And in this episode, we're going to be discussing paths to healing from such trauma. The Bitterfly Podcast. Knowledge is food, bitches. Eat up. We're going to be talking to a friend named Mel. Mel's going to remain anonymous for obvious reasons of sharing this story. Um, but thank you for being here. I, it's not easy, but I think it's important. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, I think this is an important topic to discuss. And it's like you had mentioned previously, a bit taboo to be transparent about it. And it's taken me some time to open up about it. But I think it's definitely important to share experiences here we are I don't even really know how you jump into this kind of conversation (laughs) but um can you kind of describe what happened maybe describe like the context leading up to the situation because I think what's really scary and also common is that you knew this person yes who assaulted you yes uh from research that I've done throughout the experience and afterwards you know fact here like you said most commonly these sorts of situations happen with people that are close to you and I think that's why it's so complicated and confusing to talk about and um, it's important to bring light to it for sure well yeah I was gonna say the emotional path to healing can look different for every person that's had sexual trauma and there's so many different kinds of ways that you can be violated in this fucked up world that's kind of crazy sometimes but um yeah just start with like how long has it been since this happened to you and and kind of the timeline of of how it happened maybe give us some context on your relationship with the person yeah obviously we're not going to share his name um (laughs) what should we call him dick no no um we can call him charlie okay timeline it's a bit the timeline is a bit confusing because there was a couple incidences but I guess we can go back to the original um yeah how did you meet this person and how did they enter your life we want um, we want to understand from start to finish how this happened uh, so I met this person back in college days um we had mutual friends I went to a relatively small college so everyone knew everybody uh you know one thing led to another we started hanging out similar interests, music, movies, um, things that we wanted to do with our time. So, you know, we naturally just started hanging out with friends and just us. And um, there was a... Was there a mutual attraction? Like, did you think you might date Charlie at first? There was, yeah, there was definitely like a moment where I'm like, oh, like maybe I could date this person, but I wasn't totally sure because I didn't know him. Ended up in my mind being better friends than not friends. And in college, um, there was one evening where we had all gone out, like all of our friends, and uh, I had gotten very drunk um, to the point of blacked out. And I really didn't remember the evening at all, not clothed in someone else's bed. Wait, so you were in Charlie's bed? I was in Charlie's bed, yes. 
So um, I was in Charlie's bed and I was like, oh, well, shoot, I guess that must have happened. I think I, we hooked up or something, I guess. And then I um, like went home in the middle of the night and the next day I had felt like a bit uncomfortable. Like I knew like something was off in my body. So it wasn't like a good experience. I don't, well, unfortunately, I don't really remember. And so in my head initially, I was like, oh, it was probably like a drunk hookup then. And then in my actual body, I was like, no, something's definitely off. And so I decided to go to a clinic um, in the college and get checked out and get testing done because, you know, you that's what everyone should do. Safe sex, everyone. Um, Wait, so you went and you had a rape kit done on you? Yes. What does that entail? Well, the doctor goes and inspects um, down there. Like a pap smear? Yeah, like a pap smear initially. And then my doctor, well, the issue was that I had been experiencing bleeding that was not normal. Like I had been consistently bleeding for a few days. And so I knew something was definitely wrong and off. I'm not having my lady time. Like this is- You had some like internal trauma potentially (laughs) going on. Yeah, there was definitely like some physical repercussions that I didn't know was going on. And so that's why I went to the doctor and got checked out. And she told me that there was like tearing that happened in my body that was um, diagnosed to be forced. So that's kind of where it was solidified. In Holy my... shit. Yeah. So for me, that's where I was like, oh, well, shit. I guess that wasn't. That answers your question. You didn't want it. Yeah. Yeah. That Because I, I don't, I quite don't really remember saying yes or no. I'm pretty sure you said no, though. I'd like to think. There is definitely a difference between like sex that you're you're wanting to have especially as a woman you know like you're wet or you're not yeah exactly and i'm probably i can safely say like 99 you were like 100 dry for that yeah uh, definitely the blood situation freaked me out and um yeah after i was told like formally like you know that this seemed that it was forced and your body's your body was literally telling you that you didn't want to yeah you had like physical proof that you did not want that pretty much so what an experience after realizing from your rape kit that yes (laughs) you were in fact raped did you talk to him again in my brain i kind of went in shove it down mode and kind of avoidance mode because I was really I was really confused by the situation because I was like wow like I don't really know what happened um what went on and so I was like I'm just gonna pretend like it was just another college hookup like everybody else has that come and go like oh well throw your hands up in the air just like ignore it repress it yeah definitely did you tell anyone at that point about it any of your friends no, I really didn't. Maybe I did instigate it because I don't I don't know. Well, it's so hard when you're when you're intoxicated to the point where you don't remember. It's really hard to say like what happened. You exactly. know, it just becomes like a he said, she said and Exactly. You can't trust, you know, your like what your like gut instinct is telling you. And it's not like I was going to go back and ask the person, hey, like, was I conscious when we banged, by the way? Like, it's not, it's not like you can do that. I mean, you should do that. You should definitely do that. But at the time, I was like, I'm not going to go back to this person now. So I'm like, what the fuck happened? Like, yeah, I, and, I mean, society, I think, um, kind of hammers into us this, like, weird guilt and shame as women. It's like, well, if you didn't remember, like, you don't fucking know. You know, yeah, like, don't say anything. Exactly. Um, and so I figured not saying anything would be the best way to go. And 
I we didn't I kind of avoided Charlie um and then there was a end of the year party that I had gone to um and he was there and uh he was like you know he came up to me and he's like yeah like kind of strange like we haven't really talked in a while and he was like well we hooked up and I was like oh okay like that's that's as much as we're gonna say then it seemed and I didn't really want to go more into it and I don't think he wanted to go more into it so we kind of just left it at that and I was like well okay we can say that we hooked up and that's that and that's kind of where we left it it is what it is you hook up in college that's it and just like kept your friendship um, yeah, I mean, subtly, I didn't really go out of my way to be good friends with this person. It wasn't up until months. Well, because you had a lot of mutual friends with him. It would have been awkward if you yeah. just, like, you know, cut the umbilical cord off. Like, bye, dude. Living in the same city, having the same interests, um, being around the same people, really, we got reintroduced. He got reintroduced in my life later on. So out of college, you're in the professional world now. Yeah. And you have similar interests. So he's like forced back into your life, essentially. Yeah. And at this point, it's people that weren't in our college circles. It's people that I've known in other ways and more career professional settings. And it's not like I was going to air out any previous business to people I didn't know too well. And then I was like, well, like, we're all friends still. And like, it's all good. And I don't think whatever happened in college, I'm just going to chalk it up to a casual hookup and call it that. And then it wasn't when you asked me, like, you know, timeline, it wasn't up until three years ago when another incident had happened with Charlie, where it really solidified for me that, okay, the first time definitely wasn't consensual, nor was the second time. So describe to us the second time so the second time um and with this said you know us being friends us going out and drinking with mutual friends in the back of my mind I always thought well I hope you never get really drunk in front of this person in case something was to happen again I always had that in the back of my head so you had your guard up because you kind of you had an inkling that that was not a weird one-off situation with yeah. him the first time, but you didn't know for sure. I didn't know for sure. And on top of that, I had other mutual lady friends that had told me that they felt uncomfortable in this person's presence when we would all go out and drink because Charlie would get very touchy-feely with girls and um, with guys too. And so it was kind of like, oh, you couldn't really con- you couldn't really tell if it was like a friendly, like, oh, I love you, man, like, type of drunk moment or or a little sketchy. sexual. Yeah, so it, it was blurred lines. Oh, it's definitely hard when someone's touchy with all people, yeah. you know what I mean, in that way. It's it's like, well, maybe he's gay, you know, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> exactly, yeah, and no, exactly. And, like, that, I had that moment as well as where, like, maybe there's fluidity going. Maybe so-and-so's just confused of where they stand. Well, like, I think society says, like, just because someone's touchy with you, if you're a woman, it's like, okay, God, don't assume he's into you. Exactly. Karen, you know, and it's like, but if I feel uncomfortable, yeah, it's wrong no matter what, whether or not he wants to have sex with me. But sorry, go on. Exactly. So, so I had friends like throughout, you know. So years go by, you keep a distance. Keep a distance. But then eventually you get closer. 
we got really close and I was like, no, I really trust this person. You start we, to trust him again. And I was like, you know, like whatever happened in college. I'm, and we never formally talked about what had happened in college later on. We just said, we chalked it up to saying, oh, we hooked up. It is what it is. And that's the level that my friends had known. They had known that something had happened in college, but they thought it was just friends hooking up. That's that. Um, and up until, yeah, what happened a few years back, for me was um i had gotten very drunk it would there was um like a party wait so how long ago did the first time happen in relationship to the second how much time had gone by three years in between okay so at this point you are a year out of college in the story and you start dating charlie's friend tom and that's kind of how Charlie gets reintroduced to your life yes because you were keeping him at at bay you know you like weren't sure if you could trust him and but then you start dating Tom and and Tom lives with Charlie so it's it gets complicated did you ever tell Tom what happened with you and Charlie like the first time I had chalked it up to hey it was a college hookup and um you know Tom was like, yeah, like I hooked up with friends. It is what it is. So it wasn't a big deal. At least I- So you're like sleeping over at this house and you're like fucking Tom in one room and like Charlie is literally in the next room. And and like, again, we don't know if he's gay. We don't know if he's a creep. He's just really handsy. Yeah. I, I mean, to be fair, Charlie had also been dating women too um, and other girls. So it, it felt- there was moments where it felt normal. Like everything kind of felt normal. I was like, Oh cool. Like everyone's coexisting. Like it's all good. Um, and it was, it was fine. Like for a good amount of time, it was fine. But inside me personally, I was like, man, this is fucking weird. Um, so it kind of, and Tom didn't really know the Tom didn't true story. No, anything. Well, that's so confusing. If you're like trying to think about a legitimate future with someone and this is, you know, Charlie, someone like Charlie is their best friend for life. You can't tell him to stop no. being friends with Charlie. You can't explain why. No. You felt so, weird. So your relationship with Tom was kind of rocky. It, I mean, yeah, it was in my mind confusing, mostly because of the situation that I couldn't tell Tom. I think I really do think now looking back, if I had told him what was going on, things would have panned out very differently and would have been handled differently. But yeah, so it was a bit complicated. There was some underlying insecurities that came out, um, never outrightly said until later on, just because he didn't know the situation. I didn't want to explain it. So fast forward, you are, are you with Tom at the time no. that you're not? Okay, so you guys are just hanging out, but you're not dating necessarily. And kind of take us through like the the second traumatic experience that you have with charlie i'm no longer dating his friend at this point and uh everyone's were me and charlie are friends very good friends in the back of my mind i had always thought oh this incident had happened but it was so long ago also i dated his friend in my brain that's me dating his friend solidified him that it's not going to happen again um that you were like in some ways safe or something like you're you're off his like list of, of like potential girls he might try to pursue yeah in whatever capacity exactly 
I thought, well, hey, like, you know, bro code, you date a friend or whatever, you don't go near them in that sense. Oh, yeah. It's really hard to homie hop, to be honest. Yeah. Once yeah. you date a guy in a friend group, you you can't date another. Good luck. We, uh, me and Charlie and some of our other friends, we all go out. We all are drinking. And um, at this point, like, Charlie had slept over my house many times, like, slept on the couch there was always an understanding. Um, so it was, I thought it was just going to be another drunken weekend, crash on the couch, I'll be in my bed, whatever. So one night. Um, so at this point, you and Charlie have had many like one-on-one hangouts, one-on-one where he sleeps over at your place and like you felt safe, right? Yeah. At that point. Yeah, I really did. I didn't, I thought we were, chillin i didn't think there would be any room for and he thought it was clear that you were not into him like that yes I, that's I, another I important incredibly clear that's another part of the story i think is really important to mention like it had been years of you guys being friends and you were not into him yeah there was there was no romantic inclination there there was zero there was zero zero um there were moments actually i should say this there was moments where charlie had gotten drunk and had been touchy with me and I actually did tell him in the moment when we had been in public and went out with friends and said that that wasn't cool and there was there was a dialogue and like a oh I'm sorry dude type of moment like got carried away we had those moments and I was like okay well we've even had these moments like then we're fine like nothing more than that would happen you would hope um so the second incident for me was um a night where we had all been drinking and I it was, it's safe to say it really was like one of the first times I got incredibly wasted and it doesn't happen often where I get really drunk and I don't remember what happens precisely because of the first incident that happened. But this one night in particular, I unfortunately got very drunk. Um, I would say browned out, not really blacked out, but browned out. And I just remember everybody going home, but Charlie was at the like at my house and was sleeping over and I passed out in the living room we were watching a movie or something but I woke up in my bed not clothed and but I came to I came to and I was forced up against the bed and I Charlie was on top of me and I kept saying no 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 and he wasn't listening and then I really was like seriously stopped and then that's when he like stood up and definitely recognized that something had happened. Um, and in that moment, I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> like this isn't my friend anymore. So do you remember like anything specific that you said in that moment? Like I would have shanked someone. Yeah, I got really mad. He was going for the door and was trying to leave. He was trying to leave my house and kind of running away, literally running away. Right. So you came to and you were like, no, stop. Get the fuck off me. Yeah. And he was like, okay, I'm leaving. Like literally is running out the door. And so I run for the door and grab the door and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you really about to just leave me in the middle of this and not even explain to me in my face what happened? Damn. Yeah. So I, in the moment, was really just trying to be like, no, this is, if we're going to be continue to be friends or any shot of a friendship, we need to fucking talk about this. Yeah, like right now. Yeah, like right now. 
in the middle of the night. Like, sit your ass down, you little shit, and tell me what the fuck happened. Like, was he drunk? Did he try to offer any excuses of of how, you know, oh, I misperceived something or, you know. Unfortunately, no. And that's, I think that's what killed me is that I got nothing. Well, like, he just left. He really was like, he kept saying, I can't do this. I can't deal with this. And, um, he didn't even say sorry in the moment. And he just kept saying, I can't do this is what I kept getting. That's literally all I got. That sounds to me like I can't explain or be held accountable for my actions. Yeah. Because I'm a fucking asshole. Yeah. Wow. So he leaves and like, what is, what's your next move? Like, you know, well, I- actually he ends up staying cause it was middle of the night and I'm pretty sure he was still drunk. So he ended up, I, I told him, I'm like, I was like, okay, fine. We don't have to talk about it now, but we do have to talk about it tomorrow. God damn it, Mel. You are way too fucking compassionate. I know. <laughs> and so I was like, I just don't. I would have let that guy like, yes, please go drive home right now. Fuck you. Yeah. And looking back, I'm like, wow. So I had told Charlie to, we'll talk about it the next day. Like, just stay over. It's just unsafe for you to drive right now. And so he did. And then the the next day, um, I felt like I was the one who had to apologize. And that's what? and that's where that's where it gets crazy to me. And I'm still trying to work through how this happens. And you know, your brain of like, how do you work through this? And what, why was that the reaction I had? Um, but I thought immediately, I thought, oh shit, I've ruined this friendship. He assaulted you and you wanted to apologize the next morning for making him feel uncomfortable for trying to talk about it. That is insane to me, but also makes so much sense because women are just, God, in the sexual assault conversation made to feel so guilty and so much shame and like want to brush things under the rug. You know, like smooth it out, like for no reason. Yeah. Just so that we feel okay. Exactly. Like, I was like, okay, this is going to ruin so much. Like, this is going to ruin our other friend group. This is going to ruin any projects we were going to do together. People are going to hear about this. People are going to hear about this. Like, what is this going to look like? Um, Just fix it. Just fix it. Pretend it didn't happen. Type of deal. Do you, why did you feel at fault? In my mind, I'm like, maybe I instigated something. Maybe I let him on in some way. But there's no way. Like, when I think about it now, I'm like, there's no way I did that. Um, So in that moment, I'm like, maybe I did do something and I just didn't know. I feel like you were always very um, forthcoming and clear. Yeah. Very clear about your relationship and and what you wanted from it. Exactly. Um, So it just makes me so sad to hear that you thought it was your fault. Yeah. 100%. 100%. It was 100% not your fault. Just here to say that again. I know you've probably heard that a lot by now, but 100% that was not your fault. Yeah. I mean, it, it took You a did long not time. deserve that. No. And I mean, there's so many, I hope this whole point of this whole podcast is for, you know, other women to feel comfortable to talk about their experiences and that it's not their fault. And it took me a long time to come to that. And I'm sure it takes many others to a point to get to there. Um, but that moment's vital because it's not their fault. Yeah. So let's jump back into the story. You're like, oh, shit, fuck. I I have something to fix. Yeah. You, you felt like you needed to apologize. 
And, like, where did your relationship go from there? You know, did you ever get an apology from him that day? Or or what happened? I thought me just asking, hey, are we okay, um, was good enough. And he was like, yeah, we're okay. And that was where we left it. And then He just went home. He just went home, lived his life, whatever. I'm pretty sure he didn't talk to anybody about it. Um, and then me, I was like well shit uh and I was kind of scared of like well what if he does tell someone like I mean what do I tell people like what do I do I guess I just won't say anything and hope that it just blows over I'm gonna assume he didn't tell anyone anything because he was in the fall I mean as the devil's advocate what would you have lost from him telling people maybe a misinterpreted version of the story oh okay you wanted to have a control of the narrative yeah I think my biggest fear is like what how charlie would have presented the information to others but he wasn't the best with his words so i don't really think he could have twisted that one in any way how would you twist that (laughs) exactly i mean unless they could be like you know mel came on to me or or whatever like it could be it could be up for interpretation it's hearsay um but i was conscious enough to like approach him so i think i think the fact that i approached him middle of the act kind of solidified that it was really not okay so did you tell your friends i didn't for a long time you didn't tell anyone i didn't tell anyone for about four months because what i was trying to do was i was trying to work through it myself and kind of like the first time distance myself easier said than done (laughs) unfortunately you know i think there's something to be said about having continuous exposure to the person that had violated you and the more you see them the more normalized it becomes the more hey like it was another night of confusion it just becomes like a distant memory to you exactly this thing happens with charlie yes where's tom and all this like like did you tell tom about it you guys are still hooking up intermittently um we had hooked up once afterwards and i had felt uh, a bit uncomfortable with intimacy, obviously, because, you know, that moment of trauma gets to you in that way. I feel weird about it. Like, what if Charlie finds out? And I kept thinking, what if Charlie finds out I hooked up with Tom? Also, why would it matter? That And that was the, and Tom's like, why does it matter if Charlie finds out? And I was like, I don't know why it would matter. I, it, I guess it doesn't. But for some reason in my head, I thought it would. Um, so you were allowing Charlie to... Charlie's opinion to occupy space in your brain. Yeah, it it was a really weird dynamic. Well, and he'd gotten physical with his friend, so it probably made you feel like a little bit of like I don't know, slut ish yeah, because society imposes that upon you. Yeah, I definitely felt um, I felt gross. Yeah, it, it wasn't a good feeling. I, I felt slimy. I guess is the right way to put it. Um, and so after, so no, Tom did not know. Tom had no um, idea of the instances, especially the second one. And so you hook up with Tom one time and you feel like shit. And then you start distancing yourself from Tom as well. Uh, yeah, I distance myself. Completely. You're just like, like, I'm going to get away from this fucking friend group. I can't do it. Exactly. And how did that work for you? It was hard because there was an event that we had pre-planned to all go together. You, Charlie and Tom, we're yeah. going to go somewhere. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so... I was in the presence of, you know, those two, and it was 
your fucking rapist and your fucking kind of boyfriend. That's super confusing emotionally. Yeah, incredibly so. And so um, I was like, wow, okay, after this one event, I'm genuinely going to distance myself. Um, Because this is just too fucking weird. I can't believe you even went. That's... I was going to bail. That sounds really hard on the heart. Yeah, I was going to bail and I was like, man, why am I going to this? Um, But anyways, I did it. And I was like, I left early because uh, I didn't want to be around them anymore. Um, so I, I left and I was like, okay, this is the moment where you're just going to distance yourself completely. You're just going to break up with Tom and not tell him why? At this point, we were just like friends, sort of. So how does the story come out? Like, you haven't told anyone at this point. You're hanging out with Charlie, the offender, and Tom. Who, like, you had real feelings for at one point. Super confusing. How do you, like, how does this story come to light? What's your, like, breaking point where you just, you can't keep it in anymore? I had gone out with one of their mutual friends that was a girl. And I thought because she was a woman, because she wasn't a direct close friend of mine, there wouldn't be much bias. And she had been venting to me about Charlie because she had witnessed some things that Charlie had done to other people, to other women that seemed a bit shady. Oh, so she, you're talking to someone who already doesn't like Charlie. Yeah. He's creeping on other people too. Yeah. Yeah, He's creeping on other, of course, like, you know, naturally that would happen. So she establishes a safe place for you to tell her about the situation. And so I kind of broke down on a whim. And in that moment, I'm like, oh man, I don't think this is the right person to tell at all. But like, it just, it kind of, it got to the point where it, like, it bottled up so bad. It just bad. flew out it of just, you. It just fucking like came out. Like a fountain. Out. It was so, yeah, it was really not good. So you bottling it up just erupted into, like, this volcano of, yeah. of truth. Yeah. And this girl, like, was like, holy shit, this all makes sense. Like, I fucking hate Charlie. Like, this is, like, he is. Well, she knew. It sounds like she was a good judge of character. She yeah. saw him do a few questionable things and. Yeah. And, and you confirmed for her. Yeah. He actually is a fucking creeper. Yeah. And for her, she was like, this is so not my story. I will I will keep it to myself. But I do think you need to distance yourself and figure it out. And I was like, yeah, like, this feels good to like say that to one person. So you at least know if I don't come around or if I don't hang out, there's other things besides our other mutual friends. Moving forward, the girl that I had spoken to about what happened with Charlie she was not only not a fan of Charlie, but she was living with Charlie. Months and months later, she tells Tom and their entire household the incident with Charlie and I, and she puts it as leverage to not live with Charlie any longer. And I find out via Tom, and so I get these phone calls from Charlie, Tom, everyone around Charlie, asking me if it's true, asking me what happened, my opinion on it. And it was just, it kind of just bursts. And the girl that had told, had spilled the beans, decided to avoid talking to me completely, just used me in a way. So all around. So the story didn't come out because you wanted it to. Someone else used the story to get what they wanted. Exactly. Oh, that's really harsh. I feel like this kind of story needs to come from the person it happened to or not at all. Exactly. Yeah. 
That was not her story to share. So you're basically forced out of this, like, victim closet, and suddenly your entire friend group knows that what happened between you and Charlie, and I'm sure there's some debate as to whether or not, you know, who's whose side is, is yeah. the right truth, you know, if there's, like, three sides to every story, like, yours, yeah. mine, and the truth, and I'm sure that was complicated with your friend group. So, were people on your side? Did you feel supported when the story came out? So, Charlie had reached out to me. Um, I remember I was at work, and I got a phone call from him asking to talk, and I just knew I knew what that meant. This is a damage control phone call. We need to get our story straight kind of shit. Yeah. And he was basically calling to figure out what you told people. Yeah. And um, I was scared. I was really, really scared. In my interpretation, you know, I ruined, I'm ruining someone's life straight up. And I was like thinking, oh shit, like I'm turning every single person in Charlie's life against him and like all of this without meaning to. So at the time you thought this would ruin Charlie's life and it would be your fault. Yeah. Do you know now that Charlie ruined Charlie's life? I do know that. You know that, right? Okay. I do know that now. I thought I was going to ruin Charlie's life. And so we, when Charlie and I finally got together and spoke, he really asked me what happened the second time. And he said, did I really? He asked you like you knew? Yeah, he was like, did I really do that? Did this really happen? And I... Oh my God, he played the ignorant card. He was like, I didn't even know that you felt this way. He didn't say anything. But I think the thing that really ruined it for me, and it was really hard, is that Charlie really was mute through the whole thing and never actually said sorry. (sighs) Holy shit. So he never said sorry. All your friends find out. He loses, like, pretty much all of them. Because they're like, wow, fuck you, you fucking dick. And... I mean, I just know this. Tom basically calls you and is like, Mel, what the fuck? How could you never tell me this? And all the while, you're coming over and you're seeing me and Charlie's there. Like, he just had so much compassion for you and confusion. And and I felt like, I mean, you've told me in the past, understood you better from hearing the story. Yeah, definitely. I, I really do feel bad for Tom too in the situation because he lost a best friend in a really gnarly way. He was very apologetic and he was like, I'm so sorry that you went through this. I'm so sorry that this happened. This all makes so much sense. Um, So I felt really bad about how it came out. And Tom was like, maybe if you had talked to me before, Maybe this wouldn't have had to happen the way it did. And maybe he was right. Yeah, that's fucking bullshit. It already happened, and he wouldn't have been able to do anything about it. So I don't think you should harbor any regret about how it came out, necessarily. Yeah, now now I don't, but at the time I did. So Charlie, throughout this whole thing, Charlie's trying to get me to convince everyone that it's okay. And that, that nothing bad there was no foul play that, that it was, was just that two was, drunk people having a night not remembering yeah dude i feel like that is a typical technique that a lot of offenders use especially when they know you they're like oh come on you, you don't remember i don't remember let's not tell anyone like we're cool right you know like two thumbs up like we're good and he was like it's up to you to fix this because you did this 
you told everyone. So it's your mess to clean up. Wow. So even when the story comes out and all your friends are asking you about it, you still think it's your fault. Yeah. You, you still don't think that he deserves, you know, all this like flack he's getting. Um, but you have a coming to light moment. Tell us the story. You get contacted by a woman who was also friends with Charlie. And you guys sit down and share. We swap stories. We swap stories. Yeah. Um, so throughout me and Charlie's friendship, there was, you know, I think I mentioned this earlier where there was other women that were friends. And I I always, me, myself, wondered. He has a, he had a ton of girlfriends, it sounds like. Yeah. He like, had he had a lot of women in his life that trusted of, him. Yeah, a lot of girl of friends that were girls. But there was one woman in particular that I had always wondered throughout the years. Hey, like, I wonder if there was foul play there. Like, I really do. Because I knew she had also dated somebody in that friend group. And she was really good friends with Charlie yeah. until she wasn't. Exactly. And so Did Charlie ever explain why they stopped being friends? Did he kind of just chalk it up to, oh, she went crazy or she's she's no, weird. She, she was also never living near the area, so in my head I was like, Oh well she's not even living near us, like you know, with life circumstances. Distance. Distance. Yeah. Um I was traveling constantly, so I just never thought, I never thought anything of it. I wonder what happened between them. Like, something had to have happened. Because they were really good friends and then they weren't? Yeah. So let's call her Stacy. Stacy hits you up and she's like, Mel, I heard what happened. She had been in town and had bumped into one of the old roommates with Charlie. She asked about me and then she was like, wow, like I would love to get her number and figure out like what happened because I think there's some stories to be said. And that's the information she got from a third party. And then she contacted me and she was like, I'd love to see you. I have heard some things, but I don't know how true or not true. I would love to just talk to you about them. She wanted to get the info from the source. I like it. Yeah. So you guys meet up for... Not the most sunshiny conversation. You both are bringing trauma to the table, it sounds yeah. like. So, it had been a year since I'd seen her. So what was what was her story? Her story... If you could share with us. I, I can't really go into detail, but she had a very similar experience to me where she had been violated by the same person. In the same way where they were both like drinking and alone yes. and well, with same the, kind of situation. Same kind of situation, yes. Um, and that happened, she said, like the, me, the first time she was a bit confused. And then years go by and it happens again. And she's also dating Charlie's friend. Yes. This guy has literally no boundaries. Yeah. Literally. No. The fuck. Yeah. Not not like it would be better if, if these girls weren't dating his friends, but I'm just saying like... I know, yeah. There was like no you boundaries. said earlier, you would think... You, you would know, think. That kind of relationship to him... Wouldn't be an option. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So she has the same story. She has the same story. And she had told me, this is, this is really the information that made me realize the first time um, Charlie did know what was going on. Charlie had told Stacy that I was, when we had hooked up, my body was just laying there. You were like a dead body. Yeah. So you were, essentially, he described to this other woman unconscious. And like he was fucking a corpse. Yeah. And uh, that literally screams rape to me. And Stacy told me that he was, and she was like, 
for years I had thought about what Charlie had said about when you two had hooked up and I it never sat with me right and it all just makes sense now. So with this said, Stacy and I talk about our experiences. We both realize that Charlie wasn't a good person in our life and Charlie had reached out to both of us a few times um, and kind of pretended like nothing happened. Kind of smooth it over. Pretended like nothing happened for either one of us. Did she ever get an apology? Like, you never got an apology? She never got an apology either. Or an explanation. I don't think she got an explanation either. No. Shit. So, you're like two years into your journey since the second episode and you realize this is not my fault. Yeah. What kind of relief did that bring you when you when you realized like I didn't have anything to do with this? This is fucking happening to multiple women. Like, were you enraged? Did you feel relief? I was really relieved because for a long, long time it felt like this weight on my shoulder that I ruined someone's life. Later on I was like, no, fuck that. I had nothing to do with this. This person just violates women. But he just really couldn't face it, couldn't talk about it in detail. It was really It's an uncomfortable subject. It's 100% an uncomfortable subject. Um, but I, Yeah, if you're a rapist, it would be really fucking hard to talk about raping people, I'm sure. <laughs> and even I have a hard time... Like, how do you look that person in the eye that you just violated and say, you know, oh, I'm super sorry. I thought this was going to work. It took Stacy's experience to really validate mine. And then... Other people came forward. Other people came forward later on that were Other like, women that dealt with Charlie too? Yeah, they're mutual friends that had spoken to me about their experience with Charlie and how they felt there was some foul play in like subtle ways. And I was like, wow, like, okay, this it's definitely not just me. I no, think it, you're not crazy at all. No. It's almost like if I wasn't facing a defamation lawsuit by sharing his name right now, I definitely would so that everybody could know to avoid this fucking douchebag. But here we are doing it anonymously. It's better than nothing, I suppose. So there are many levels of emotional trauma going on here because one, sexual assault is just a horrendous experience to deal with. And then added layer is that this guy was in your social circle. Like he was friends with your friends. He was friends with the guy you liked. He lived with the guy that you were seeing. Yeah. And then on top of all of that, even if you've cut off all the friends and cut off the guy you were seeing, you guys still have shared interests. You know, you might run into him at a concert, you might yeah. run into him at a party. There's so many layers to that situation. How have you dealt with it since then? Obviously, he like, you know, he got socially exiled yeah. from the group and... You know, now we're in a pandemic, so concerts and parties. So yeah, not an option. But before the pandemic, like, how did you deal with the situation? Were you just opting out of going out? Were you, like... Definitely. Like, I would say I was someone who always was out. Didn't matter who I saw. I wanted to, like, socialize with anybody and anything. Like, you know, having a good time. But in the beginning, I was like, no, like, I don't want anyone to see me. I don't want anyone to ask me anything. After talking to Stacy. We had serendipitously bumped into mutual friends with Charlie, and it felt so relieving to feel okay to see people again. And it was that moment where I'm like, no, I'm not crazy. I Other people have experienced this. I don't give a fuck anymore who I see, what I talk about. I felt better. I felt more relieved in terms of healing process. It did take a cult toll on personal relationships and trust, 100%. So how have you dealt with 
this whole experience like have you sounds like talk therapy one with people like Stacy realizing that you're not the only person who's experienced this um but how else have you dealt with the trauma like have you are there any books that you'd recommend to other people who might have experienced something similar um have you gone to therapy after I told my very good friends they were like what the fuck um they were my therapist for a long time and that's not healthy to say like I don't think I've still properly dealt with this. I'm working on it currently. COVID has helped me work through it more, more time to myself. Um, but no, I haven't had any formal therapy. Definitely should. Everyone should. I did a lot of yoga. That helped a lot. Um, but I kept really busy with work. I was very like a workaholic. So I kind of got distracted from new relationships, kind of tried to forget about it up until these days would you say that that's a healthy way of dealing with sexual trauma no it's not healthy at all i don't suggest it um whatsoever burying yourself in work yeah don't do it <laughs> what advice would you give to someone who's experienced sexual assault from someone in their life obviously like it, it's not a one-size-fits-all solution and um like we said there are there are many, many complicated layers when it happens from someone that you know and someone that you trust. But do you have any like starting out suggestions for how to deal with it? With an experience like this, I think it's fair to say that your first inclination to healing and understanding may be to want to talk to your offender. However, that's not always possible and definitely not a good way to heal. Whether or not you can talk to them, you need to do the work first and journey of forgiveness to yourself. Understand that it's not your fault, you didn't ask for it, and just because someone you trusted took advantage of you does not mean that you cannot trust again. I think the biggest takeaway is to allow yourself time and to be patient with yourself and the healing process is important. You know, with the pandemic and everything that's happened in the world, we're more open to talking about kind of unconventional topics, including this. So you suggest finding like a talk therapy support group yeah. of people with similar trauma? Definitely, I, I do. Um, lean into your good friends that you trust, but we do have to kind of alter our mindset of how to deal with this instead of just pushing it away. Seems like talking to Stacy and someone who had a similar experience really helped you. It it almost makes me wonder why women don't talk to women more. Like like we should be you know, like let's normalize talking to other women about our experiences like this. Yeah, I think that's definitely the takeaway I got from this. Cause after talking to Stacy, I did talk to my other close friends and unfortunately all of my friends had a similar situation. No, with it's else. so common and terrifyingly regular, this kind of thing that happens. And people don't talk about it. And that's the thing. It's like, if we don't talk about it, basically like your story coming out may have saved a number of other women in that social circle from the same experience. And it's just like, let's normalize talking to other women about experiences like this. You know, she's like your Yelp review. She's not your competition and she's not someone that you need to hide things from. Let's let's share our experiences and save each other, you yeah. know, if we can. I do think that's definitely the biggest lesson I learned is women are incredibly competitive. They want to one-up each other. 
um, especially in dating pool, I would say. Well, yeah, and it sounds like Charlie, when he stopped being friends every so often with, like, women he was really close with, chalked it up to, like, oh, we just drifted or they live far away or our interests changed. Like, no, what actually happened? That's just your story. And now that we know, like, you're a creeper, I'd like to hear her story, you know, because maybe there is a real reason why she's distanced herself in the same manner that you distance yourself. Exactly. And to this day, Stacey really doesn't, love talking about this but it's it definitely like changed her perspective about relationships and mine as well um and yeah like she felt the same way of like women being very competitive towards each other and feeling not comfortable to talk um but that's not the case i think women need to talk to other women they need to share their experiences it's a vital part of the healing process i would say it sounds like it's a vital part of like the prevention process as well. You know what I mean? Like if definitely if anything good comes out of having a negative experience like sexual assault with someone that you know, you know, there's not a lot of good there, but one thing that could come out of it is that you save someone else from that experience. Definitely. I wish there was like a way to have a review of guys that people previously dated. Like a fucking Yelp service (laughs) where it's like, hey, this person may be a sexual offender. Like, I'm going to give them a zero star. Yeah. I wish there was some sort of system where you could just plug in and like only women can see it. Oh, my God. And on that topic, like kind of sidestepping the sexual assault thing just in general if you started dating a new dude wouldn't it be nice to like instead of thinking of his ex as like you know your competition from the past or like you know trying to be better than her it would be really fucking cool if you could just call her up and go hey so what do you think like (laughs) do you have anything to say you know like that I should be aware of like that might help me you know is this person abusive like I'd like to know now rather than later yeah, exactly. We can share in experiences with each other so that we don't all have to individually learn things firsthand. Yeah, I, I really wish we should make that. We should make that a thing. All right. Can someone build an app for sharing information about guys? Maybe good, too. Not just bad. Yeah, you know, no, like, like good, oh, good and bad. Oh, he's a great cook. Yeah. Great snuggler. You know, or like maybe he's got some anger issues. Like just beware kind just of thing. Just like some little tidbits. Yeah, yeah, like let's normalize talking to our boyfriend's exes. Why not? I think we should. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Mel, for sharing your really hard experience. Like, it's very complicated. Very complicated. Very painful. Yeah. I'm proud of you, and I appreciate you coming on here and sharing with the listeners your experience. Like I said, it's not easy to talk about at all, but it's super important. No, and thank you so much for having me, and I think that you know, having topics like this is important and bringing it to the forefront of people's minds. And um, I just hope others feel comfortable enough after hearing this that they can talk about their experiences as well. It is a bit tough with, you know, being anonymous and names and all that, but that part doesn't really matter so much. It's more just what the experience is and hopefully others will feel comfortable to move forward. Definitely. Um, Yeah, we're out here, Butterfly Podcast, talking about taboos and life experiences and um yeah women supporting women it's important so. Woo, go women all right thanks mel love ya love ya